Super Talk Mississippi media production. Southern Miss fans know the number one stop for Golden Eagle Apparel is Campus Book Mart on Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Baseball, basketball, football, Campus Book Mart has it covered with clothing to fit the young and old, big and small Golden Eagle in your family. You can visit the store on Hardy Street, shop online at campusbookmart.net, or call in your order and have it mailed to your front door. However you choose to buy, always visit Campus Book Mart first. You won't be sorry. Campus Book Mart and Southern Miss, to the top. Free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two. Roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, let's go. New week of the Super Talk Eagle Hour. Glad you're with us. We're broadcasting this afternoon from the Southern Bank Corps studio. We appreciate you tuning in. Bob Kelly and Luke Johnson's back with us uh, over in Laurel. We'll get to uh, all of that in just a few minutes. Opening segment of the show is sponsored as it is every day by Dickie's Barbecue Pit. Great supporters of our program and Southern Miss Athletics and a great place to cater your weekend upcoming baseball tailgate, uh, Dickies, would be the perfect place uh, to go and take care of that. Uh, got a lot to talk about today. We've got a very special guest host appearing on the two-hour edition of the Eagle Hour this Friday. He'll be on the show a little later. We're going to hear as well from uh, Tegra Ize and Austin Crowley after a big Saturday basketball win. But first, we want to talk to Scott Watkins. He's with the uh, Biloxi Sun-Herald, of course. And, uh, Scott, welcome back to the show. It's uh, it's opening weekend of baseball just around the corner. We're five days away and wanted to invite you on and uh, and give us your thoughts about the upcoming season. Uh, how does Sunbelt baseball look to you? And give me the top three teams to beat, Scott. Yeah, I, I, well, first, thank you guys for having me back. Um, my top three teams to beat, uh, including Southern Miss, would be Southern Miss. Uh, it would be it would be Coastal Carolina. Uh, this is uh, their coach's final year as well uh, after Scott Berry last year, and uh, then Troy. Troy have, has another good team this year. They were they were kind of the surprise, I think, last year. They bring a lot of that talent back, including Shane Lewis in the outfield. So I think that's your top three pretty clearly, and I think Louisiana is that team that's lurking just just below that top tier yeah we can't forget about them they were in the championship game uh of the tournament last year so where do you see the Sun Belt stacking up uh nationally uh as we head into the season scott i think this is going to be a pivotal pivotal year for that actually um i think it i don't think there's much movement as far as conference strength goes this year uh, i think it's it's a lot of the same but i think what you're going to want to see is some of those programs that maybe didn't have as good of a year last year. There's been a, a lot of discourse on social media lately involving the Georgia Southern baseball program. And I think a lot of people would like to see Georgia Southern maybe step back up a little bit after a very disappointing last uh, last season. I think they're kind of the key. If everyone else plays to uh, potential place to expectation, Georgia Southern is kind of the key that could really unlock the Sun Belt this season, I think, as well as Texas State a little bit, but really Georgia Southern. If they can pick it up, I think that the Sun Belt will be, once again, a three, four-bid league uh, in, in the postseason. So, Scott, going into the opener on Friday, of course, 
Coach Christian Ostrander, who will be joining us um, on the show uh, Mondays once the season starts. He's not named his starters yet for the weekend, and it's not a conference series, but where would you stack up the starters, all things being equal, this weekend? You know, Sunday is the big wild card for me. I have thought about that a lot, and I have not landed on anybody yet. Um, but I think that Friday, Saturday is pretty clear. I would go, you know, Nico Mazza and then Billy Oldham. Uh, that's that's as good of a one-two as you're going to have in the Sun Belt this season. Or that the potential that Mazza has is through the roof. Um, if he gets that consistency down, if he you know gets the command down, he could be uh, the best pitcher in the Sun Belt this season. He has that potential. And Billy Oldham, of course, is just an elite ground baller. He's, he's somebody that may not have the highest next level potential, but he is a very, very, very good arm for this level, and is going to be somebody that uh, can clinch a lot of series is going forward on the weekends. All right, so if you're blindfolded and are throwing darts, who are two or three names that uh, that dart you know, might hit for the third starter? And give us arguments for all of them. That is a, a tremendous question because when I, when I tell you that I've cycled through names, I have not cycled through like one or two names. Um, it, it's been like the entire roster. I've thought a lot. This will not be a Sunday thing, but I've thought a lot about Cross Sibley and the potential that we see him as a midweek starter going forward. Um, but that, as we've seen in the past, could lead to starting on a Sunday, depending on how things go. Um, but that would be that would be a name. That would be a long-shot name. It will not happen uh, this weekend. Uh, but a lot of other names, you know, um, shoot, I'm blanking now. Uh, okay. One of the Armisteads, but you'll see them in the, in the bullpen. I would love to see some of the freshmen. I would love to see McCarty English back there. I don't think it's going to happen this weekend. But I think you're going to see a revolving door. Um, honestly, I couldn't tell you. What about that, Chandler that Best? A, that That is that is a name that just crossed my mind just now. Chandler Best is a possibility. A lot of these names that I've cycled through are guys that I know will provide really good depth in the middle of the bullpen, and I'm not sure if Ostrander is willing to right away pull that out and put that on a Sunday starting spot um, because I think that you're not going to find out who the full-time Sunday starter is until the third weekend, maybe. Luke? Scott, um, going back to the preseason coaches poll, is that number two slot? Because when you think about all of the Golden Eagles loss, of course, they do have pieces coming back, but they're replacing a whole lot. Is that a nod of respect to unproven players, or is that really a nod to what this league knows that, that Oz is capable of as a head coach? I think it's a bit of, of Christian Ostrander. I think it's a bit of the pitching staff. Uh, of course, there's unknowns, but you have two very big knowns, and that's Slade Wilkes and Carson Pato. And you have the understanding that the middle, up the middle for Southern Miss is going to be very good, uh, regardless of how much experience they have playing together. When you have Ozzy Pratt and Nolan Tucker and Nick Monastero at the middle, you're going to be very solid. It, we, everyone knows, I think, in this league that Southern Miss is going to be a good defensive team because of what they have right there. And I think that's where it starts. When you have those three, I think, as a fan, you feel very good about where you're heading. And then you put Slade Wilkes and Carson Pato in the lineup around those guys. There's going to be a lot of respect. So I think even with the unknowns, they're not that unknown. And that's something that Carson Pato talked a lot about with me, is that there there are a lot of new guys on the roster, but there's a ton of talent on the roster. And there's a ton of really hot position battles on the roster right now. These are not a lot of new kids. These are JUCO transfers. These are, these are four-year college transfers mixed in with guys that have been developing this program. So there's a ton of talent there, and I think that's where it comes from. You have the good pitching staff, and you know – 
that you have a really talented and athletic infield with some power bats around those guys. Just a crazy deep team. Left field, per se. Slade Wilkes, obviously, out there. But, you know, you would think maybe put him at DH to kind of protect, you know, his, his body. He's, he's injury prone. Where does Billy Butler fit into all this? And do you see if Russo or Luke don't break out with the bat at first base, could we see some shifting to get better bats at positions like that? Yeah, I think they'll they'll try a lot of things throughout the year. Um, Billy Butler, you know, kind of just mixed into that, that battle uh, with, with – uh, I see designated hitter in left field and third base all kind of tied together a little bit and maybe even first base a little bit. If, uh, if, if Russo doesn't work out, you could see him move to designated hitter and that would force somebody into that first base spot that it really hasn't played that position a lot. That's just, that's, I think the biggest position battle is that left field, third base, DH spot. I think we're going to see all of those guys. I think we're going to see Gillespie. I think we're going to see Broadus. Uh, I think you're going to see Billy mm-hmm. Butler move around a bit. Um, Slade Wilkes, I would love it if he was a DH. Um, we could see somebody move around on left field and see how they look out there. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't think that what they're going to roll out on Friday is going to look a whole lot what a whole lot like what they roll out against uh, with Indiana State in March. Yeah, that'll be quite a step up from the first week when Indiana State comes here. Uh, all right, Scott, about 90 seconds left. Let's switch gears for just a minute. Uh, basketball, uh, I'm more convinced now than ever that there is no leader in men's basketball in the Sun Belt, that you could throw them all in a pot and whoever's playing better on that day would uh, would come out the victor. Do you see it differently than that? No, I, I don't. I think that uh, when the Sun Belt tournament starts, there's 10 teams that can win it. I mean, there really is. I mean, it's, it is such a, a melting pot of teams. I think that there's a clear upper tier. Um, App State, James Madison, Troy, all those teams are, are going to be top three seeds uh, at the end of the season. But Marshall has been really good. Louisiana has been good. Southern Miss has been pretty good. It, it could be anybody. I mean, it's even any given day once you get into Pensacola. So I don't think that there's a clear winner. I don't think any of these teams look infallible. I'm I'm completely on board with yeah. what you just said. Well, here in, in the last thought, and this is something Kelly shared, I think, with you and I a couple of weeks ago, uh, and that is that Southern Miss is in a good position right now because they're home. They're going to play a lot of home games against what appear to be inferior teams within the league. So they're still in a position to end up in pretty good shape going into the tournament, yes? Yeah, absolutely, because there's teams ahead of Southern Miss as well that, that do not have that luxury uh, Marshall has a very difficult schedule the rest of uh, um, February. I think Louisiana has also got it kind of tough. James Madison has to play. Uh, uh, who was it? Um, I don't. I don't think they have it very easy either. Uh, no, they have to play Marshall and they have to play Georgia State. Yeah, they, they have it much easier than everybody ahead of them. So I think Southern Miss is in a really good position right now. All right, Scott, you're going to be at uh, the Pete this Friday. I will be at the peak this Friday. Absolutely. We're going to hook up with you. Somebody come check on me. And uh, we're going to bring you over to the set where you can, again, just see how good looking we really are. Does that sound okay to you? (laughs) That sounds good to me. (laughs) You're going to be in for a big disappointment. But we'll look forward to to having you. Scott Watkins, everybody. Biloxi Sun Herald. Really appreciate his input. All right, Kelly was at the basketball game Saturday. He interviewed Austin Crowley and Tegra Ize right after that big win. We'll have that next.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. All right, we want to thank Scott Watkins, Biloxi Sun Herald. We'll try to get him out uh, to the ballpark with us a while uh, Friday. Working on a lot of guests, be announcing that later in the week. We think uh, you'll find it a very entertaining two hours, and we're looking forward to that. Campus Bookmart sponsors this segment of our program. It's a great place to buy your Southern Miss apparel just for baseball stars. She's got lots of it. Miss Kathleen, you can shop seven days a week at Campus Bookmart. You can go online at campusbookmart.net. And we want to say hello to our good friends at Mobay Beignet Company, 2902 Hardy Street in Hattiesburg. Great place to go this weekend for some desserts before and after all the ball games. It's uh, hard to believe, but it all kicks off. Friday afternoon. Well, the men had a big day Saturday. They steamrolled Western Michigan 86-54. Really, the Sun Belt did really well against the MAC overall uh, in the basketball tournaments. Two kids that had big days were Austin Crowley, and we're happy to say Tegra Ize, who uh, we've kind of liked all year long, and had maybe Kelly his best game of the year. And he was authoritative underneath. You know, he only had eight points, but the rebounding that he put forth and everything was with authority. Man, he Good slammed everything home. Good for him. Well, here's Tegra Ize and Austin Crowley right after Saturday's game. What got into you today, young man? <laughs> I mean, you know, uh, I've been working all season, you know, early mornings, late nights. And I think that's just, you know, a combination of it is just, you know, finally showing up. Well, they got the ball inside to you. It's not like you were going to shoot from there. But, man, everything you did today was with authority. Tell us how that felt. Yeah, I mean, your know, last game, I missed a couple of bunnies. Um, you know, I got on myself a little bit. You know, just watching the film and how easy those buckets were. So I told myself, you know, everything I get today, I'm a dunking. You know, if I get fouled, I get fouled. But at least I'm going to try to dunk at everything. And Victor Hart in the lineup today, what, what does he mean to this team? And how does that change the way you guys approach things, having him in the lineup and good to go? Yeah, I mean, you know, Victor, Victor Hart is a big part of what we do, and, you know, we, uh, we are glad to see him back. You know, he hit a couple of good shots, and, uh, you know, there's more to come for him, so I'm just happy that he's able to, you know, be back. I know he's been working hard, you know, with Todd and everything, make sure, you know, he's 100% ready to go. Well, speaking of 100%, how is the hand? Tell us how the, where the hand is at. Um, and the hand feels great. You know, as you can say today, um, you know, it's been an uphill battle. You know, I got, you know, for the people I really don't know, I got clear a week before the season started, you know, so I wasn't really in the best shape. You know, my hand wasn't really where it was supposed to be. But um, like I said earlier, you know, it's just a combination of, you know, working behind the scenes early morning, late nights, you know, with the strength coach and stuff like that. So, it's just, you know, all adding up. And I don't want to beat a dead horse, but toward the end of the first half, those of us watching the game were scratching our heads saying, uh-oh, this this is not good, the way you guys finished the first half. Second half, you guys were out of your minds. What the heck? Yeah, we were um, up 16 and we were playing the first half, and then, you know, they cut it down to five um, at halftime. And then, you know, Coach Ron came in the locker room and, um, you know, he addressed it. And myself and the rest of the guys did a good job of responding and, you know, um, playing our brand of basketball, which is defense. Now, Coach Cardona, when he gets really upset, does he slip into Spanish? <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, sometimes. <laughs> when he doesn't want you to know exactly what he said. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he'll throw a couple of Spanish words here and there, you know, but, um, you know, he's just passionate. Uh, at the end of the day, you know, he just wants the best for all of us. So all we could do is just, you know, respond and play our best for him. After a really tough road trip, not only physically but emotionally now, you guys have got the next five in a row here at home. Man, that's, gosh, that's got to be just a great feeling. I mean, it's good to be home, you know, uh, you know, fresh legs, you know, less travel, you know, it's just going to everybody. Well, man, have fun the rest of the way. We enjoy your work. Thank you. Thank you. 
Austin Crowley, what was the difference in the second half? Good heavens. Um, we just stayed with our um, concepts of what we wanted to do. We just wanted to make sure that we moved the ball uh, as much as we could. And uh, V.I. had the high hand, so we just wanted to attack V.I. So we just played through him, and just everybody made plays tonight. Yeah, especially in the second half. You guys were, were making the shots. Was it me, or, or, or were they a little bit tired? Did you guys tire the Broncos out a little bit? And did the humidity maybe have something to do with that? Um, I think it's just the way we play. We play we're a very up-and-down team. You know, we want to get you to the breaking point. You know, that's all we press. That's all we pick up for a court. And um, I think that was a, a definitely a factor. That was a good team up there. But I think we just factored in just playing hard as we could, and we tired them down, obviously. Is is there a different difference in style between – Ladner being on the bench and Cardona being there. No, that's all the same. Uh, it's all the same principles, all the same concepts. Uh, maybe more text, but you know, besides besides Coach Warren getting the tech here now and then, it's just, it's the same. You know, uh, we and we talked to Coach Ladner after the uh, last game. He just told us he wanted to pick up our pace and just make sure that uh, we listen to Coach uh, Coach Warren and everything he does. So you know, it feels the same to us. There was a guy in the lineup today we haven't seen in a while, Victor Hart. Yeah, and it seemed like that. What dimension does he bring to this team? Just a, a, another scoring guy, you know. Open up the court, you know, he's a stretch four. You know, he's one of those guys where you throw it to him and he makes plays. So um, I was able to get him a couple good passes and he made his shots today. And just we want to work him in, you know, just a, a, a little bit at a time. You know, we don't want to just put him in and give him this big role because, you know, he has to work his way back in. And just because we want to get him in shape and stuff like that. So just for him coming in, making shots, you know, playing the way he plays, it was great for us. There's a, there's a general approach you want to take, but then there's also getting it to the hot hand. Iwako was out of his mind in the yeah. first half. Yeah, man. Uh, we, we played through him. Like, what we see in the first two, three minutes, we was like, okay, it's VI's game, man. Um, we don't care if he had to shoot the ball every single time. You know, it, it's just if whoever has the high hand, we're going to keep going to him until their arm fall off. And he was able to go through it. Both halves just have a high hand. Okay, now you get back to conference play. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about the general morale of the team going forward now? I feel good. You know, we just had a really good meeting after the game, just realizing we had 22 assists. That's the way we need to play. So, um, just by getting everybody into that mode of just allowing them to be themselves and playing together is just going to be perfect for us. So, we're ready. We enjoy your work. Good luck. Appreciate you, my man. All right. Yes, sir. All right, Kelly, good work getting there after the game. I like hearing from those kids after the game. One thing I like about Crowley, he's the opposite of Travis Kelsey when things were not going good for Crowley. He adapted his game, and he did what he could to help the team. He didn't scream and yell and push the coach around because he wasn't getting his way. And he and he said, he said from early on, I think Iwako made like his first five shots. He's a shots. beast, dude. And, he's a beast. And in the, we're, we're looking up like 10 minutes left to go in the first half, and he's got 19 points. 19 points. Like, yeah. So we're going, he's on like a 76-point clip. Um, so obviously they, as he said, they identified that Iwako was the hot hand. Man, yeah. feed him, get it to him. I tell you what, Luke. While you've been away, Iwako has become a beast. He's he's just a dog on the floor. No well, I mean, he, you know, he signed with Oklahoma out of high school and and uh, was a top forty player nationally coming out of high school. And I think you know, in in the transfer portal age, a lot of times these guys, what they're capable of, it it doesn't come out until. Maybe sometimes there's they're not uh, consciously or they're they're unconsciously uncomfortable about it. But man, in the last what two or three weeks, we have seen why uh, what he brings. I mean, the, the blockability, the the defense, uh, the basketball IQ, and and like you guys said, and like Austin said, man, he just took over. And so you always want to in every situation you want to be playing your best down the stretch. And and I think we're seeing why 
not only was uh, was the reason why he was so high, highly heralded coming out of high school, but why why they went after him in the portal and said this guy can start for us every single game this yeah, season. And I tell you what, don't underestimate what uh, Isay can do if he continues to play like he did Saturday, the impact, Kelly, he can have down the line. And Victor Hart back in the lineup. I know you've talked – you've liked Victor Hart a lot, Bob, this season. But yep. – but, uh, and, and like uh, Austin Crowley said, not – didn't want to throw his whole body into the pool, but, but just get his toes in there, get – you know, get a, for a feeling. But if he gets back, if he's completely healthy, if Curbelo were to make his way back in the lineup, you know, and then Eze continues to play the way he does with a favorable schedule – down the stretch, you want to get that top one of the top four seeds for the tournament, so you get the double buy. Hey, stranger things have happened. And I think Victor Hart coming back is really important. That, that's and just another player you have to defend on the floor. Watching, you know, from a distance, I've been out uh, with not being on here and not talking about it every day. But one of the things I was concerned about was all the minutes of the starters. You know, you're having to basically have four guys play thirty minutes. Saturday, uh, and I know it was a it was a big lead, but I mean, Awako and Crowley, thirty four and thirty seven. Everybody else under thirty minutes, and I mean, Kobe Montgomery, fourteen minutes. You know, and so that's a guy who will play more minutes down the stretch. And so I think um, with Hart coming back now, there's there's eight or nine guys that they can start mixing in there, and that's what you have to have down the stretch. And I just want to give a special shout out to Tate Ryder from Oak Grove High School. <laughs> right, yes, sir. Right yes, up, sir. comes off the bench, hits a three, and the the point. bench went berserk. Oh, we, we in the stands, man. The place just erupted, you know, yeah. because there's a guy, there's a blue collar guy that works his tail off, knows he's probably not going to get a whole lot of playing time, but when he got in there, you know, Jeff Armstrong and him are roommates, right? So I mean, they're cut off the same cloth, man. Just hard workers, do what they can to help the team. And so glad that Tate hit that three pointer. If you so go on Southern Miss, if you go on southernmiss.com, the picture, the the lead picture, which is the basketball game last night, it is the entire team showing the bench. It's a close up as Tate takes that shot, and they're all got they all got threes in the air. Uh, Alvarez is right behind him, staring. Out. I mean, they are just stoked to see it. So be sure to go to southernmiss.com, listeners, and and check that out because it's just the joy, as you said, Bob, of, of seeing a guy get his moment in a game. No question. I was really happy to see the react. We saw the same thing the other night with Emma Walhoff, who came in and hit a three against South Alabama for the women's team, and the girls went crazy. By the way, the women did get beat. 62-46, pretty badly up in Buffalo. Long way from home, in the snow, long road trip. These road trips have been brutal on, on every basketball team, not just Southern Miss. But uh, the ladies uh, are playing well, though. We think that uh, they'll bounce back real fast. All right, when we come back, big day coming up Friday, opening day at the Pete. We've got a special guest host. He'll be joining us to give us a preview of, of the work that he's laying out. He's preparing like Usher at halftime. We'll be right back. Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. All right, if you could only hear what goes on behind the scenes around here, uh, get ready. (laughs) 
Get ready for the next interview. Fourth Street Bar and Grill sponsors this segment of the program, and it is a great place to catch all your games, have a cold beer and a good sandwich, and visit with your friends. Fourth Street Bar and Grill, right there in the shadow of the rock. As we've been telling you, we're going to be at Pete Taylor Park for two hours this Friday, and we started a tradition a couple of years ago. Don't ask me why, but we did. And, and we're happy to continue it. We have got the legend, the Hall of Fame coach, one of the most famous men in America, Hill Denson, will be co-hosting the show with us uh, two hours Friday. And Hill, I want to take you back to the day that Oz was introduced and Kelly asked you the famous question of, Coach, do you think that winning back-to-back regionals will help with recruiting? And can you recall what your answer was to that? Kelly, are you just stupid? <laughs> Go ahead, Senator. <laughs> well, I know I was. Bob introduced Hill, Coach Hill Denson today. Had I had the opportunity to introduce him, I would have introduced him as the special counsel referred to him as a elderly, well-intending old man with signs of dementia. <laughs> That's the that's the gum truth. You don't have to take that, fact, coach. I want you to fact, know. That. I forgot y'all were calling until just a minute ago. I'm, I'm sitting here still eating at the Bellhaven Cafeteria. So you're not, you're not going to forget to come Friday, are you, coach? You're going to be there Friday. I'm right? a, uh, well, I'm trying not. I got notes in my pocket on my dashboard and by my bed. <laughs> And like I said, he can only stay with us for 10 minutes today, Bob, because at 2 o'clock he's got water aerobics with Evelyn back at the home. <laughs> hey, Coach, I'm I your do friend. Have, <laughs> I do have something, but i got to get to my truck to figure out what it is when my notes are stuck to my speedometer. They're just right behind you, Coach, so don't, don't let them pick on you too much, okay? They're just right behind you. Coach, I, I, I do want to ask you this to, to start off. It's going to be a weird weekend for Scott Berry, and it's a good weekend. Yeah. What what did it feel like for you when you had handed off the reins and knew that you weren't going to be in the Pete opening opening season, in a, or you were going to be there in a different capacity? You do remember I'm elderly and don't remember anything. So I, I am I am that. trusting your memory, Coach. I'm showing confidence. <laughs> I don't re- I don't remember that that night, but uh. What? I don't even know if I made it the first weekend or something. Probably didn't. You're just feeding their narrative. You don't have to do that, Coach. <laughs> oh, yeah. man. All right, Coach, uh, Kelly, in some of his lucid moments, which, as you know, are far and few between, but he has made the comment to me before, though, that in, you can take every sport in the world, and there's just nothing like opening day of baseball season. Why is it? Why is it so special, Coach? Well, I, I don't. I can't answer why. I, I just know that it is, and it's gotten that way. It's grown to be. I mean, when I first went there, it wasn't that way at all. So, <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you know, it's 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 even the fact that it's on Friday instead of Saturday uh, makes it a tough day to open the season as far as crowds are concerned. Mm-hmm. Especially if you have to play in cold weather and play in at four o'clock in the afternoon. People still working on Friday, you know. Mm-hmm. I have found that fewer and fewer people are working on Friday. But, uh, I'm sitting here in the Bel Air cafeteria, and I see a guy walking out with an eagle head on his shirt. I was good to see. Well, that's good. So, Coach, do you have any idea when opening day began was scheduled to start? 
at 4 o'clock on a work day as opposed to a Friday night, per se? Yeah, I, you know, obviously if people are working, it's harder to get there. And, uh, I'm having a little trouble hearing y'all. I think you asked me, what did you ask me? Just Well, I wanted to just ask you, do you know how that tradition got started that you would play at 4 o'clock on a work day as opposed to maybe opening the season on Friday night when everybody is off work? Well, it, it's because it's cold. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pretty simple answer, because it's cold and I didn't want to play at night if we could get a little sun in the afternoon, uh, you know, and not be in the real cold weather. I it's just you. so cold. So it's, it, 4 o'clock became a uh, kind of a deal where we started playing in on the Friday part of the series. And then, of course, on Friday, if it's too cold and all, you could always move it to a doubleheader on Saturday or something. So I got you. That makes the sense. first part of the weekend is easy to handle more than it is you know if it's a sunday when you get the bad weather and so forth all right a lot of new faces on this team you you know the team as well as anybody your thoughts about about the talent level and uh the new look of the baseball team this year well just being around scott and 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 oz all last year of course i knew i knew a year ahead of time what was happening and Oz was going to move into the job, and then, of course we kind of kept up with them, and they were getting the talent that they wanted, the guys they, that they were wanting to get in there. And, and of course, you guys, all you got to do is look at who they wanted in there in the past and know that they got good ones. So I have no problems with knowing that it's going to continue on and they're going to be good this year. Now, I do have to remind our people, our, especially our, our little people that like to write on the uh, Facebook and all that all the time, fire the coach. Uh, you know, they're not going to win every baseball game this year, and you're not going early in the year. It takes a little while for those guys to start gelling, and and, and that's true with all our teams and anybody's teams, particularly in this day of time, with uh, especially our football and basketball with people moving in and out. And, they can leave you or come to you that year. You don't know what you got. It takes a while to start gelling. You know, you can go look at our season last year. It, it, as good as we were with Scott's last year, you know, went through a rough time there. I say rough. It's rough to us because we used to win in most every game, you know. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I find myself being a fan. That dog, you know, we, we – we need to win that ball game, you know, and but you can't win them all in baseball, and as you know, and it really the the talent levels throughout the leagues are so even, and who gets the breaks? When especially if you get to the World Series or the regionals or the Super Regionals, you got to be hot, you got to be lucky, and things got to go your way to win because everybody's about the same. Coach so Denson, it, it's that way during their season, especially with the schedules that Scott started putting together and and Oz is continuing with the hard tough schedule and play a lot of road tough schedules so that makes it hard I'm sorry go ahead no that's all right I I wanted to ask you how the job of head coach at the the D1 level has changed since you were the head I know when you were the head coach at Southern Miss and I mean this in all sincerity you had to be a salesperson you had to sell signs in center field you had to mow the grass you had to schedule travel. You had to make a, a game schedule. You, I mean, I mean, it was everything fell upon 
the head coach. Was that a situation unique to Southern Miss, or was that pretty much the way it was back in the day for all D1 baseball coaches? And when did that kind of change? Well, it, yeah, it was that way, and uh, it was that way pretty much everywhere. Uh, you know, there were some elite baseball programs throughout the country, which I've talked about before. You know, at the time I took over in 84, uh, you know, the elite baseball teams, and one of them is Mississippi State. They been had good baseball programs even before Ron Polk. They were good baseball. And uh, they that was one thing they cared about at that school, and they were one of the elite along with Arizona and Arizona State and Southern Cal and Florida State and Florida. Uh, not really much Florida. Uh, nobody in the SEC was even pushing baseball at the time, but about the time I came is about when all that started. People started hiring baseball coaches instead of football coaches, assistant football coaches, and putting them on in charge of baseball. Started hiring baseball coaches, and all of a sudden, everybody started trying to win. And you saw the caliber of baseball come up over a period of time. But it's about that way with all of us. We were all did all the scheduling, and uh, as you, everybody, I can remember talking to back in the days. We would play Ohio State, and. You know, uh, all the SEC schools, we'd talk to them about scheduling, you know, try to make it work and all that kind of stuff. And, and so it was the head coach and head coach talking. I didn't never have anybody that I talked to other than the head coach all my years. And uh, really, well, we did all the field work and everything. We, they would mow the grass some at USM, but uh, that's about it. And, you know, uh, we did everything. So uh, this director of operations started, uh, you know, while I was at Bellhaven, he was all that started coming in. So after I had retired from, from the state, so it, I don't know, that, that director of ops started maybe 2000, and I don't know, 10, 12, 15, somewhere along in there. Uh, so that was a new position. You know, we had, when I left, and when I retired, we had one full-time assistant coach who didn't make very much money and one what they call a restricted earnings coach, which would be 12000 maximum they could make during the year, which nobody could live on. And they would let you have a volunteer coach, but he couldn't make any money from the university. So that was coaching staff that we had. So it's actually improved an awful lot over the last 10, 15 years. No question. Well, so, Coach, Coach, we look forward to having you there Friday, and uh, we'll be set up right there by the baseball office, and uh going to be fun, as it always is with you. That sounds good to me. What's the weather forecast? Perfect weather. I'm telling you now. It's going to be perfect, I think. Okay. All right, Coach. See you well, Friday. Okay. Thank you all. See you. Coach Hill does it, everybody. We'll wrap up this show after this. Southern Miss to the top. Final segment of the Eagle Hour on this Monday. Hey, guys, it's good to be back with you, by the way. It's great to have you back, buddy, and we're so yeah. glad that you made the next step toward getting your doctorate. Yeah. So, so uh, now you're a Ph.D. candidate. Uh, yeah, more or less. Okay. I'm working on a prospectus right now, which is a proposal for dissertation. But, yeah, 
I've been out for the last month or so working on PhD comps and uh, yeah, past those. Um, I'll talk more in a minute about about something else with that. But let's uh, let's recap a little bit over the weekend. Softball gets underway. They played five games yeah. over the weekend. Went two and three. But guys, guess who they beat? James. This is Madison. the most important thing. They beat James Madison, and. All of their losses were like by one run, or I think they lost one by two, but the other two they lost by one run. So I mean, early in the season, but we've already beat James Madison. So that's good, a good sign. Uh, good for the ladies, absolutely. Um, a few more results uh, from the weekend: tennis, women's tennis defeats Belmont four to three. We mentioned earlier men's basketball beat Western Michigan 86-54. Women's basketball loses to Buffalo 62-46 today. Uh, actually, uh, they probably already started. Yeah, they have started. Men's golf um, is at the Hal Williams Collegiate. We'll bring you some updates on them tomorrow. Men's tennis right now currently taking on the UAB Blazers, and women's tennis just getting underway um, at um, Sanford. So there was a uh, an athletic event last night uh, called the Super Bowl, and I think we all know as people who – while, Kelly, you don't cheer for the Saints, you certainly represent my fandom for the Saints and sure. Bob's. Wherever Bob is with the Saints, he's usually for them. The NFL is rigged, and we will just go ahead and say that. Um, the, the NFL is the only place where the, quote, best tight end um, in the game can physically run into his head coach, verbally scream at him, and then – embrace his billion-dollar girlfriend at the end because that's how the NFL works. Nobody could have scripted it that way, right? And there were, And the Chiefs, well, there were, the clock was running with like 16 seconds left. The Chiefs have got two timeouts. Under normal circumstances and something that wasn't fixed, you'd have called timeout, right? To make you mean sure. overtime? Yeah, yeah. No, it, it, but it, th- that was the thing that that was the first for me. It was the first game that they had had overtime, and we w- it was the first quarter of overtime. That's why the referee said at the coin toss that we are beginning a new game. Yeah. Had the game continued to be tied, they would have played four more quarters. They would have played till somebody won. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Yeah, okay. And after both teams get a possession. Then I believe it would be the first team to score, but I'm I'm not 100. percent Yeah, but I I tell you what. I tell you what, um, I don't know how many times the Chiefs got away with interior holding. If you don't, if you don't notice, I, I like Andy Reid. He, I, I like Andy Reid, but I can't stand the other two. And uh, I just what? So as a former player, what Travis Kelsey did to Andy Reid, I will never pull for Travis Kelsey ever again in anything, regardless of who his girlfriend is or whatever. That was. One of the most, I wanted to throw up and throw something at, you're going to, anyway, I'll be I'll be quiet about that. What did you guys think about that moment and then about well, the Well, I did throw up at halftime, but that was because of the music. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I don't think the NFL is rigged, but I do think that the melodrama that the media played out um, uh, over the past few weeks with the, with the singer and Travis, I just, it was just so over the top. It just, it just became ad nauseum to me after a while and and it's not look this is not a surprise that the chiefs won the game i don't know why anybody would bet san francisco 
Kansas City, as we've said it before, which is good to Luke's point, that's why Kansas City gets away with interior holding, is because for whatever reason, the Kansas City Chiefs are the fair-haired boys of the NFL. That's who the National Football League wants to win. And that's what happened. So why is anybody surprised at this? I, 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 say, it, I say it tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, On no, social I media, it. I said, yeah. as a bitter Saints fan. The, yeah. So... I will tell the Chiefs in a, in a year where they were down, their defense their defense played great, and we would be remiss right now. Okay, the NFL is not rigged. Okay, everybody knows that. With us, me, my personal animosity or frustration or lack of any fandom whatsoever towards Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. Congratulations to Todd Pinkston. Yes, the running go. back coach for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is a Super Bowl champion. Congratulations, Pink, all the way from Forest, Mississippi. And in, and in fairness, Luke can comment on the whole Kelsey situation because after athletic events, Luke would at the time hug his billion-dollar girlfriend, who is now his wife. <laughs> hey, guys, it was a tough week, the Johnson household. Yeah, take care of them trains. The gravy no. trains, yeah. You guys, you guys know this, but many times in the last several years, there would be somebody else in the studio on occasion – it was a yellow Labrador named Nola. She was a Southern Miss oh, fan. Oh, yeah. And we uh, we had to say goodbye to her last mm. week. But I'll tell you what, Southern Miss fan to the end. I'm happy to be back with you guys. It's opening week of baseball. Let's go. Good to have you back, buddy. We'll be back tomorrow at 1 o'clock. Until then, Southern Miss. To, to the, the top. Talk Mississippi Media Production.